Chapter 15 of the House of the Wolfings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The House of the Wolfings by William Morris. Chapter 15. They hear tell of the battle on the ridge. Ye have heard how the Dalings were appointed to go to help Theodolf in driving the folk spear home to the heart of the Roman host. So they went, but six hours thereafter comes one to Otter, bidding him send a great part of the kindreds to him, for that he had had tidings that a great host of Romans were drawn near the wood edge, but were not entered therein, and that fain would he meet them in the open field. So the kindreds drew lots, and the lot fell first on the Elkings, who are a great company, as ye know, and then to the Hartings, the Beamings, the Elftings, the Vellings, also a great company, the Galtings, and they no lesser, each in their turn, and last of all to the Lexings, and the Oslings prayed to go with the Elkings, and this Otter deemed good, whereas many of them be bowmen. All these then, to the number of a thousand or more, entered the wood, and I was with them, for, in sooth, I was the messenger. No delay made we in the wood, nor went we over warily, trusting to the warding of the wood by Theodolf, and there were men with us who knew the paths well, whereof I was one, so we speedily came through into the open country. Shortly we came upon our folk, and the war-duke lying at the foot of a little hill, that went up as a buttress to a long ridge high above us, whereon we set a watch, and a little brook came down the dale for our drink. Night fell as we came thither, so we slept for a while, but abode not the morning, and we were afoot, for we had no horses with us, before the moon grew white. We took the road in good order, albeit our folk banners we had left behind in the burg, so each kindred raised aloft a shield of its token to be for a banner. So we went forth, and some swift footmen with fox, who hath seen the Roman wargarth, had been sent on before to spy out the ways of the foemen. Two hours after sunrise cometh one of these, and telleth how he hath seen the Romans, and how that they are but a short mile hence, breaking their fast, not looking for any onslaught. But, saith he, they are on a high ridge whence they can see wide about, and be in no danger of ambush, because the place is bare for the most part, nor is there any cover except here and there down in the dales a few hazels and blackthorn bushes, and the rushes of the bags in the marshy bottoms, wherein a snipe may hide or a hare, but scarce a man. And note, that there is no way up to that ridge, but by a spur thereof as bare as my hand, so ye will be well seen as ye went up thereto. So spake he in my hearing, but Theodolf bade him lead on to that spur, and old Heriolf, who was standing nigh, laughed merrily and said, Yea, lead on, and speedily, lest the day wane and nothing done save the hunting of snipes. So on we went, and coming to the hither side of that spur beheld those others, and fox with them, and he held in his hand an arrow of the aliens, and his face was all astir with half-hidden laughter, and he breathed hard, and pointed to the ridge, and somewhat low down on it we saw a steel cap, and three spearheads, showing white from out a little hollow in its side, but the man hidden by the hollow, so we knew that fox had been chased, and that the Romans were warned, and wary. No delay made the war-duke, but led us up that spur which was somewhat steep, and as we rose higher we saw a band of men on the ridge, a little way down on it, 
not a many archers and slingers mostly who abode us till we were within shot and then sent a few shots at us and so fled but two men were hurt with the sling plummets and one and he not grievously with an arrow and not one slain thus we came up unto the ridge so that there was nothing between us and the bare heavens thence we looked south-east and saw the romans wisely posted on the ridge not far from where it fell down steeply to the north but on the south that is to say on their left hands and all along the ridge past where we were stayed the ground sloped gently to the south-west for a good way before it fell somewhat steeply into another long dale looking north we saw the outer edge of mirkwood but a little way from us and we were glad thereof because ere we left our sleeping-place that morn theodulf had sent to otter another messenger bidding him send yet more men unto us in case we should be hard pressed in the battle for he had had a late rumour that the romans were many and now when he had looked on the roman array and noted how wise it was he sent three swift-foot ones to take stand on a high knoll which we had passed on the way that they may take heed where our folk came out from the wood and give signal to them by the horn and lead them to where the battle should be so we stood a while and breathed us and handled our weapons some half a furlong from the alien host they had no earth rampant around them for that ridge is waterless and they could not abide there long but they had pitched sharp pails in front of them and they stood in very good order as if abiding an onslaught and moved not when they saw us for that band of shooters had joined themselves to them already taken one with another we deemed them to be more than we were but their hauberked footmen with the heavy cast spears not so many as we by a good deal now we were of mind to fall on them ere they should fall on us so all such of us as had shot weapons spread out from our company and went forth a little and of the others heriulf stood foremost along with the leaders of the beamings and the alkings but as yet theodulf held a back and led the midmost company as his wont was and the more part of the wolfings were with him thus we ordered ourselves and awaited a little while yet what the aliens should do and presently a war-horn blew amongst them and from each flank of their mailed footmen came forth a many bowmen and slingers and a band of horsemen and drew within bowshot the shooters in open array yet wisely and so fell to on us and the horsemen hung aback a little as yet their arrow-shot was of little avail their bowmen fell fast before ours but deadly was their sling-shot and hurt and slew many and some even in our main battle for they slung round leaden balls and not stones and they aimed true and shot quick and the men withal were so light and lithe never still but crouching and creeping and bounding here and there that they were no easier to hit than conies amidst of the fern unless they were very nigh howbeit when this storm had endured a while and we moved but little and not an inch aback and gave them shot for shot then was another horn winded from amongst the aliens and thereat the bowmen cast down their bows and the slingers wound their slings about their heads and they all came on with swords and short spears and feathered darts running and leaping lustily making for our flanks and the horsemen set spurs to their horses and fell on in the very front of our folk like good and valiant men-at-arms that saw herulf and his men and they set up the war-whoop and ran forth to meet them aches and sword aloft terribly yet maybe somewhat unwarily the archers and slingers never came within sword-stroke of them 
but fell away before them on all sides, but the slingers fled not far, but began again with their shot, and slew a many. Then was a horn winded, as if to call back the horsemen who, if they heard, heeded not, but rode hard on our kindred, like valiant warriors, who feared not death. Sooth to say, neither were the horses big or good, nor the men fit for the work, saving for their hardihood, and their spears were shot withal, and their bucklers unhandy to wield. Now could it be seen how the Goths gave way before them to let them into the trap, and then closed around again, and the axes and edge-weapons went awork, hewing as in a wood, and Hirulf towered over all the press, and the wolf's sister flashed over his head in the summer morning. Soon was that storm over, and we saw the Goths tossing up their spears over the slain, and horses running loose and masterless adown over the westward-lying slopes, and a few with their riders still clinging to them. Yet some, sore hurt by seeming, galloping toward the main battle of the Romans. Unwarily then fared the children of Tyr, that were with Hirulf, for by this time they were well nigh within shot of the spears of those mighty footmen of the Romans, and on their flanks were the slingers and the bowmen who had now gotten their bows again, and our bowmen, though they shot well and strong, were too few to quell them and indeed some of them had cast by their bows to join in Hirulf's storm. Also the lie of the ground was against us, for it sloped up toward the Roman array at first very gently, but afterwards steeply enough to breathe a short-winded man. Also behind them were we of the other kindreds, whom Theodolf had ordered into the wedge array, and we were all ready to move forward, so that had they abided somewhat all had been well and better. So did they not, but straightway set up the victory-whoop, and ran forward on the Roman host. And these were so ordered that, as aforesaid, they had before them sharp piles stuck into the earth, and pointed against us, as we found afterwards, to our cost. And within these piles stood the men some way apart from each other, so as to handle their casting-spears, and in three ranks were they ordered, and many spears could be cast at once, and if any in the front were slain, his fellow behind him took his place. So now the storm of war fell at once upon our folk, and swift and fierce as was their onslaught yet, were a many slain and hurt, or ever they came to the piles aforesaid. Then saw they death before them, and heeded it not, but tore up the piles and dashed through them, and fell in on those valiant footmen. Short is the tale to tell. Wheresoever a sword or a spear of the Goths was uprised, there were three upon him. And saith Toti of the Beamings, who was hurt and crawled away and yet lives, that on Hirulf there were six at first, and then more, and he took no thought of shielding himself, but raised up the wolf's sister, and hewed as the woodman in the thicket, when night cometh and hunger is on him. There fell Hirulf the Ancient, and many a man of the Beamings and the Elkings with him, and many a Roman. But amidst the slain and the hurt, our wretch array moved forward slowly now, warily shielding against the plummets and shafts on either side. And when the Romans saw our unbroken array, and Theodore of the first, with throng-plough naked in his hand, they chased not such men of ours unhurt or little hurt, as drew a back from before them. So these we took amongst us, and when we had gotten all we might, and held a grim face to the foe, we drew a back little by little still facing them, till we were out of shot of their spears, though the shot of the arrows and the sling plummets ceased not wholly from us. Thus ended Hirulf's storm. 
Then he rested from his speaking for a while, and none said aught, but they gazed on him as if he bore with him a picture of the battle, and many of the women wept silently for Heriulf, and yet more of the younger ones were wounded to the heart, when they thought of the young men of the Elkings and the Beamings, since with both those houses they had an affinity, and they lamented the loves that they had lost and would have asked concerning their own speech-friends had they durst. But they held their peace till the tale was told out to an end. Then Egil spake again. No long while had worn by in Heriulf's storm, and though men's hearts were nothing daunted, but rather angered by what had befallen, yet would Theodulf wear away the time somewhat more, since he hoped for succour from the Weinberg and the wood and he would not that any of these Romans should escape us, but would give them all to Tyr, and to be a following to Heriulf the Old and the Great. So there we abided a while, moving not, and Theodulf stood with strong plough on his shoulder, unhelmed, unburnied, as though he trusted to the kindred for all defence. Nor for their part did the Romans dare to leave their vantage ground, when they beheld what grim countenance we made them. Albeit, when we had thrice made as if we would fall on, and yet they moved not, whereas it trieth a man sorely to stand long before the foemen, and do naught but endure, and whereas many of our bowmen were slain or hurt, and the rest too few to make head against the shot-weapons of the aliens, then at last we began to draw nearer, and a little nearer, not breaking the wedge-array, and at last, just before we were within shot of the cast spears of their main battle, loud roared our war-horn then indeed we broke the wedge array but orderly as we knew how spreading out from right and left of the war-duke till we were facing them in a long line one minute we abode thus and then ran forth through the spear-storm and even therewith we heard as it were the echo of our own horn and whoso had time to think betwixt the first of the storm and the hand-strokes of the romans deemed that now would be coming fresh kindreds for our helping. Not long endured the spear-rain, so swift we were, neither were we in one throng as we did in Heriulf's storm, but spread abroad, each trusting in the other that none thought of the backward way. Though we had the ground against us, we dashed like fresh men at their pails, and were under the weapons at once. Then was the battle grim, they could not thrust us back, nor did we break their array with our first storm. Man hewed at man as if there were no foes in the world but they two. Sword met sword, and sex met sex. It was thrusting and hewing with point and edge, and no long-shafted weapons were of any avail. There we fought hand to hand, and no man knew by eyesight how the battle went two yards from where he fought, and each one put all his heart in the stroke he was then striking, and thought of nothing else. Yet, at the last we felt that they were faltering, and that our work was easier and our hope higher. Then we cried our cries, and pressed on harder, and in that very nick of time there arose close behind us the roar of the markman's horn, and the cries of the kindreds answering ours. Then such of the Romans, as were not in the very act of smiting or thrusting or clinging or shielding, turned and fled and the whoop of victory rang around us, and the earth shook, and past the place of the slaughter rushed the riders of the Goths. For they had sent horsemen to us, 
and the paths were grown easier for our much treading of them. Then I beheld Theodolf, that he had just slain a foe, and clear was the space around him, and he rushed sideways and caught hold of the stirrup of Angantyr, of the bearings, and ran ten strides beside him, and then bounded on a foot swifter than the red horses of the bearings, urging on the chase as his wont was. But we who were wearier when we had done our work, stood still between the living and the dead, between the free men of the mark and their war thralls, and in no long while there came back to us Theodolf and the chasers, and we made a great ring on the field of the slain, and sang the song of triumph, and it was the wolfing song that we sang. Thus ended Theodolf's storm. When he held his peace, there was but little noise among the stay-at-homes, for still they were thinking about the deaths of their kindred and their lovers. But Igil spoke again. Yet within that ring lay the sorrow of our hearts, for Odin had called a many home, and there lay their bodies, and the mightiest was Hyrulf, and the Romans had taken him up from where he fell, and cast him down out of the way, but they had not stripped him, and his hand still gripped the wolf's sister. His shield was full of shafts of arrows and spears, his burney was rent in many places, his helm battered out of form, he had been grievously hurt in the side, and in the thigh by cast spears, or ever he came to hand blows with the Romans, but moreover he had three great wounds from the point of the sex, in the throat, in the side, in the belly, each enough for his bane. His face was yet fair to look on, and we deemed that he had died smiling. At his feet lay a young man of the beamings in a gay green coat, and beside him was the head of another of his house, but his green-clad body lay some yards aloof. There lay of the Elkings a many. Well may ye weep, maidens, for them that loved you. Now fare they to the gods a goodly company, but a goodly company is with them. Seventy and seven of the sons of the Goths lay dead within the Roman battle, and fifty-four on the slope before it, and to boot there were twenty-four of us slain by the arrows and plummets of the shooters, and a many hurt withal. But there were no hurt men inside the Roman array or before it. All were slain outright, for the hurt men either dragged themselves back to our folk, or onward to the Roman ranks, that they might die with one more stroke smitten. Now of the aliens the dead lay in heaps in that place, for grim was the slaughter when the riders of the bearings and the warmings fell on the aliens, and a many of the foemen scorned to flee, but died where they stood, craving no peace, and to few of them was peace given. There fell of the Roman footmen five hundred and eighty and five, and the remnant that fled was but little, but of the slingers and bowmen but eighty and six were slain, for they were there to shoot and not to stand and they were nimble and fleet of foot, men round of limb, very dark-skinned, but not foul of favour. Then he said, There are men through the dusk affairing, our speech-friends and our kin. No more shall they crave our helping, nor ask what work to win. They have done their deeds and departed, when they had holpen the house. So high their heads are holden, and their hurts are glorious. With the story of strokes stricken and new weapons to be met, 
and new scowling of foes' faces, and new curses, unknown yet. Lo, they died the feast in God-home, and fair are the tables spread. Late come, but well-beloved, is every war-worn head. And the God-folk and the fathers, as these cross the tinkling bridge, crowd round and crave for stories of the battle on the ridge. Therewith he came down from the speech-hill, and the women-folk came round about him, and they brought him to the hall and washed him, and gave him meat and drink, and then would he sleep, for he was weary. Howbeit some of the women could not refrain themselves, but must needs ask after their speech-friends who had been in the battle, and he answered as he could, and some he made glad and some sorry, and as to some he could not tell them whether their friends were alive or dead. So he went to his place and fell asleep, and slept long, while the women went down to Acre and Meadow, or saw to the baking of bread, or the sewing of garments, or went far afield to tend the neat and the sheep, howbeit the whole son went not with them, but she talked with that old warrior sorely, who was now halt and grown unmeet for the road, but was a wise man and she and he together with some old Kalines and a few young lads fell to work, and saw to many matters about the hall and the garth that day, and they got together what weapons there were, both for shot and for the hand-play, and laid them where they were handy to come at, and they saw to the meal in the hall that there were provision for many days, and they carried up to a loft above the women's chamber many a great vessels of water, lest the fire should take the hall, and they looked everywhere, to the entrances and windows, and had fastenings and bolts and bars fashioned and fitted to them, and saw that all things were trim and stout, and so they abided the issue. End of chapter 15